Psalm uh, 92 is the uh, the only psalm of the 150 uh, that is uh, said to be written um, for use on the Sabbath. And it is uh, probably one of the reasons, as we read through this psalm, we see some some, uh, support for having worship uh, both morning and evening, bracketing the day, as we like to say. Uh, but there is also great and wise counsel for daily worship, for schooling our hearts to be thankful uh, to God. Um, and as I read this psalm um, straight through now, um, I want you to listen to identify the three major areas uh, or, or ways in which uh, we may say thank you to God. And we'll be unfolding that uh, in the course of the message. Uh, psalm 92. This is uh, God's word that he gives to us that we may give it back to him in our prayers. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. To the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre, For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord! Your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know, the fool cannot understand this, that though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord are on high forever. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. The righteous flourish like the palm tree. And grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. Uh, To declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Three different different um, concepts or ideas or themes for our thanking God are prescribed in this psalm. We are to thank God, first of all, because he's worth it. And secondly, uh, because his justice will win out in the end. And thirdly, because his grace grows stronger, not weaker in the course of our lives. Um, He is worth it. His justice wins out and his grace within us grows stronger, not weaker. We open up with the first four verses there. Then uh, we thank God because he's worth it. It's good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O God. We might think that it is largely a matter of, of good manners. It is the right thing to do to thank someone. We as parents school our children uh, when someone passes the ketchup, 
You don't just take it and slop it on your hamburger. You say, thank you. It is good manners. This passage is going far beyond good manners, though, saying it is simply, it is simply good. It is not only right, it is good. It is good, first of all, for God's sake. God delights when you delight in Him. He is pleased when you delight in Him, thank Him, honor Him, value Him, any more than anything else in this world. Take the time to say thank you. In fact, Romans 1 warns us, really, that, that arguably the greatest sin is that of not saying thank you. And so we, we honor the Lord with our thanks. He is worth it. It is also good for us. We, after all, are made glad by His works. In verse 4, thanking God is an exercise for us as well to learn to practice honoring and valuing the things in this world appropriately and most of all, God. We value true beauty and we are not seduced even temporarily by God's grace, by the things in this world that we sometimes think of and honor and and are more thankful for than we are for God Himself. There's also sort of a corrective in in this theme of thanking God, it being good to thank God. And I think think it, it it challenges our complacency. Sometimes we can be so casual about just, we work hard, uh, we get things for the money that we've earned, and we're kind of complacent, not really thinking about the source being God himself. And, And it addresses our native sense of entitlement that somehow we deserve all these things that we in this country receive more generously than perhaps anywhere else in the world. It challenges our complacency and our entitlement. So it is good for us to gather tonight. It is good for you in the course of your day to be thankful to the Lord. In fact, verse 2 tells us it's a great way not only to bracket the, 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 the Lord's day, but also to bracket every day. Start and end your day with thanks. Whether you, whether you feel like it or not, This is a a passage that is urging us to the discipline of giving thanks so that it becomes a habit to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. Now, I want you to think about when you normally wake up in the morning, what, what would you say is a default attitude that you have when you wake up? Some people um, could be something like 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 Eeyore is the the figure in in uh, what what is it uh, Winnie the Pooh sort of sort of mopey and despondent and just sort of waking up kind of expecting things to go wrong, kind of expecting there to be a bad day. You know that's there have been a lot of them. This is likely to be another. Not much, not much hope, not much expectation. We can also wake up just with a sense of, of dread in our stomach for something we've got to do or something we feel is, or we believe is going to happen to us. We can be fearful with a nagging sense of anxiety. 
And especially in these days, we can look around and we can say things are really bad. They're beyond bad. They're out of control. Today is hardly going to be a good day. We can have a sense of fear. Or we can, grow, we can wake up with a sense of drivenness. We feel a compulsion to be successful. And we have a yearning, a too strong yearning to receive the, the, the kudos of other people and to impress others. A prayer that, that I make my own every day uh, has this line right in the beginning of the morning prayer. We pray for a sense of love from God so that I'm not, so that I'm not scared or driven. Do you, do you see the beauty of that? A sense of love from God so that I know, so that I'm neither scared or driven. We wake up to the Father's smile and He has good for you today. You wake up to your Father's smile, His steadfast love, and He has good for you. This, this reminds us of the psalm we looked at a few weeks ago from Psalm 90, verse 14. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. And how's this for a kind of a... a, a I don't know, it's a, a, a dual message. Uh, the, it goes on to say, uh, make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years... Uh, as um, as we have seen evil. So in the affliction, in the evil, we still see the steadfast love of God. Start your day then with that, with that prayer. Uh, let me see. Let me know um, your steadfast love. And then end it as you put your head on the pillow at the end of the day, a quick prayer to this effect. Thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, we made it. Uh, you got me through another day. Uh, what I feared most didn't derail me. I'm here. I made it. You got me through it. Yes, there were some rough seas, but you are a good captain. And so we declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness uh, at night. If you, if you did that every day, what, what would be different about your life, do you suppose? I think one thing is that you'd maybe loosen your grip on feeling like you've got to control everything and you would be able to relax with a sigh and just say, God's got this. He's got it and I'll just live under his, his good sovereignty and give him thanks and praise. And occasionally even break out some instruments. I loved what we heard this morning with the full, with the full group there and, and it was just, it, it helped us to just raise our voices in adoration to the Lord. Uh, with, with the, we do this to music, with the lute and with the harp and the melody and the lie of the lyre. That, that music enables us, enables us uh, to, uh, to give God what he deserves, our hearts full of thanks. Now, now look, look with me, uh, look with me at, um, at, at, at verse 4. For, for you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work, um, at the works of your hands, I sing for joy. Okay, here we're getting to the meat of it, of what are we to thank God for? Thank Him for His works. Well, what are they? 
it's helpful, I think, to look back at the, at the two renditions, if you will, of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 and, and uh, Deuteronomy 5, where both there are two solid reasons giving for even honoring and remembering the Sabbath day. In Exodus 20, for in six days God made the heaven and earth, and then he rested, you therefore rest. In six days God made, he created. His creative works then are in view. Deuteronomy chapter 5, you were slaves in Egypt and God brought you out. The second reading of the Ten Commandments has a different reason, a different uh, a reason posited. You were, you were slaves, he rescued you. Those are his works. Creation and salvation. Creation, and listen to this, um, restoring, restoring slaves so that they're no longer in bondage. Or think of it for just a moment. We thank God for his work well done for the astounding work of creation. Psalm 136. Beautiful, beautiful psalm. Many parallels and helps express and fill out this space right here. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of Lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. For, uh, to him who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him by understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day, for his steadfast love endures forever. And the moon and stars to rule over the night, for his steadfast love endures forever. Now I want you to, I want you to think about, and not many kids here today, but kids, I want you to work on this because I would like to hear from you a little bit later on. What do you love that God has made? What do you really enjoy that God has made? Is it birds in flight, birds flying? Is it an orange uh, sunset? Uh, is, it, is it what we make in our kitchens when we pull together uh, pepperoni and tomato sauce and make the perfect food? Is it pizza? What do you love that God has made? They, they are expressions of personal expressions to you and me of God's steadfast love. So think of it. How can we thank him and honor him for the things that he has made? Well, what about the salvation? We are, like the Israelites, slaves set free now to do what we want. We are set free. The good, a good definition of freedom is now empowered, set free to do what you really want. And I want us to just think quickly, to go through what we call the Ordo Salutis and see how, how each of them is focused to that goal of, of enabling you to be a slave now set free. Do you think of yourselves as that way? Set free by God. God's electing grace. You are chosen, Hebrews or Ephesians 1, to be holy and blameless. That God's great saving plan in Christ is to set you free who were once enslaved. That's why one reason that God has called you to set you free. And then secondly, the spiritually regenerating grace. 
You have a new heart so that you grow to hate what is wrong and what you once chose and now to love freedom, the freedom of obedience. Thank God. Thank God for the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit. Thank God for justifying grace. Uh, We have a natural bent to remember our failures. And when we remember our failures, we are quick to follow and in that path. Justifying grace frees us from being absorbed with our past and instead being absorbed on what Jesus has won for us in his righteousness. Okay, what about adopting grace? The Spirit sets you free to know God as Father, not just policeman, but a Father whose heart is inclined to you in your weakness when you need Him. And so we're, we, we respond as children to the Father. And that sanctifying grace, as we saw at the end of the psalm, the sanctifying grace that the Spirit works in us. Listen, trees do not flourish because they're hardworking. Trees do not flourish uh, because they exercise their free will. Trees flourish because the gardener has planted them and waters them and nourishes them. And so the Holy Spirit is changing you and me. And finally, the Spirit's preserving grace. He'll keep you and he'll never take your eye off you, his eye off you until he brings you home. Do you see how much we have to declare God's steadfast love in the morning and his faithfulness at night? All the things that he has made for us, his works, what he's made for us, and all that salvation that he's working in us. Well, secondly, then in verses 5 through 9, this is going to be a little bit strange. But we thank God that his justice wins out. Well, uh, some, some people um, carry a, a co- collect and display their will, wealth in a way that just reeks of self-absorption and pride. And we wonder where is injustice at the same time seeds absence because they're mocking God. You hear what I'm saying? Foolish people think their wealth will keep them safe. And we are not, as, uh, as Psalm 73 uh, reminds us, we are not uh, to envy them. Listen, this, these several verses from Psalm 73 simply expand exactly what Psalm 72 or 692 is talking about here, where, where God will, um, will bring about um, his justice in the end. The psalmist was envious, he says, and until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. Uh, truly, uh, you set them in slippery places, you made them fall to ruin. Um, how they are destroyed in a moment. They're swept away by terrors like a dream when one awakes. Oh Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, then I was pricked in heart. I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. We, uh, we so often um, become uh, centered on, on what we don't have in comparison to what others do have. And especially, it especially galls us when these are people who 
have such disregard and even despisal or apathy towards God. But verse 8 is the very center of this psalm, and it says, But you, O Lord, O Lord, are on high. And so we are able, in, in the midst of this world, we sing, This is my Father's world, O let me ne'er forget, that though the wrong seems oft so strong, God is the ruler yet. Even today, He limits evil. Even today, He protect, protects us from what we deserve. And we're waiting for that time. The battle is not done. Jesus, who died, will be satisfied and earth and heaven one day will be one. And so we look at this world in which there are injustices, in which people who hate God seem to get away with it, and we thank God that he rights all wrongs. We thank God that he makes right all injustices. You have enough of what you need today and none of what you don't. That's how we thank God. You have enough of what you need today and none of what you don't. Evil does run rampant, but God's justice will win out. It is not that we enjoy their punishment, but we thank God that his justice wins. Finally, in the third portion there, verses 10 to following, we thank God because he's worth it. We thank God because his justice wins out. But we also thank God because his grace goes stronger and not weaker. Verse, verse 10 is really, is, it's really the king of Israel being anointed and having a powerful ministry among, his, among God's people. Uh, the oil is poured over him. It is fresh oil or it is fine oil. And he, uh, it, it demonstrates or it, it's pointing to a very successful, um, a very successful kingship. And so that, again, points us to Jesus. For his horn is exalted. He conquers, as the Catechism says, all his and our enemies. And God anoints him with fresh oil, with fine oil, so that he is effective in his ministry. Please, please hear that. Jesus is our effective king. The Holy Spirit works in us each day so that we may serve God more faithfully. And we thank God for his grace every morning to do what we need to do on that given day. We thank God for his grace and for the ministry of the Holy Spirit that we have, by his grace, what we need to do that day. Look at the language in verses 12 and 14. The righteous flourish like the palm tree. They grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They're planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. That really is the same word that describes the wicked sprouting up in verse 7. The evil sprout then wither, but our flourishing is the real thing. 
Because we are rooted in the house of God. In our environment, in this environment, environment, we have the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We have the beauty of God's word. We have the fellowship and the support of God's people. We have the blessings of the sacrament. We are always being renewed and refreshed. We are in the house of God. We are like a palm tree that is graceful and tall. Like a cedar that is strong and majestic. God's grace is getting, is getting stronger in our lives, not weaker. And my favorite verse, perhaps, of the psalm, and they still bear fruit in old age. Don't you like that? They still bear fruit in old age. You know, when some people get older, you, you, they, get, they get bitter. They get kind of nasty. They get meaner. They get crustier. They get more difficult to be with. Have you seen people like that? Christians, Christians grow, bear more fruit, great fruit, as they age. Our outer nature is wasting away, but our inner being is being renewed day by day. I want to mention three things that I, that I observe. I see in the scripture and I observe in people who have been walking with Jesus for a long time. These are things we can thank him for. Not praise ourselves for, but thank him for. The first is humility. The older we are, the longer we've been walking with Jesus, the more aware we are of our own weakness. And that, my dear friends, is a very good thing. Uh, COVID embitters some, but it humbles the believer. And he looks at how God is governing his world. And he says, some things are just too tough, too high for me. I I simply submit myself to the will of God. The longer you walk with Jesus, the more gentle you are with other people. You are not so quick to find fault. You are no longer, you no longer assume that you know the motives of other people. Why they do what they do. You instead have a more generous spirit as you you look at them and consider them. You are growing in humility. Do you see that? It's a good thing. The, The second thing that you see is that a person grows in patience. More aware, and I'm thinking of the long view now, but more aware that new and better is coming. And it's never going to be here until the new heavens and the new earth are joined together. We learn, quoting, uh, quoting Johnny Cash here, we learn not to expect too much of our empires of dirt. <laughs> the things that we pull together and build out of the things, the, the stuff of this life and, and make our own little empire from it. We learn not to expect too much from that, but to be waiting for the coming city to meet our groom face to face when he descends onto this earth. Believers still alive who meet him in the air and then he comes down. And he comes down. We're patient for that. And the third thing then is wisdom. We understand how to live uh, in today's complexity. 
One of the benefits of growing old um, is you have a rich memory to draw on. Well, at least when you remember these things, you should have a, a good memory, a rich memory of how you've seen the Lord work. You're not, you're not so undone by people's problems or your own problems because you've seen how God has worked. You have the courage because of that wisdom to stand firm where you know you need to but to let lesser things go. And you're willing to take small steps to serve God. You're content, as the hymn says, to fill a little space if God is glorified. So a great place to look in your own life is, is do you see a growing sense of humility and patience and wisdom? It is not because you're great, but it's a tree planted in the household of God. He's producing that fruit in you. And you declare God to be upright, a rock in whom there is no unrighteousness at all. Well, we thank God then because he's worth it. And we thank God because justice, his justice will win out. And we thank God because his grace grows stronger and not weaker. Well, let's pray uh, together. Lord, we pray that you would um, seal in our hearts um, the blessings that you've given to us and the thanks that you've given to us, the things that you've blessed us with, the works that you've given to us and done for us. And so we pray that, that even now um, you would enable us to, to give thanks to you in a way that truly uh, del- causes you delight and causes one another delight as well. In the name of Jesus, amen. We're going to wait for just a minute before the last hymn, okay?